And there's a huge disconnect as far as it, contract law. And there can be a disconnect between the individual who's doing the sales and the person who is actually implementing the service or the product. That's another thing that I, so my rule, in case you're wondering what a rule for contract law is to under promise in your contracts and then over deliver. Yep. In but I am the world's biggest super fan. You're like a super fan. Welcome to the business super fans podcast. We will discuss how establishing business superfans from customers, employees, and business partners can elevate your success exponentially. Learn why these advocates are a key factor to achieving excellence in the world of commerce. We discuss the invaluable insights of business owners who have successfully implemented the strategies in the book to build their own team of devoted superfans. Gain insightful knowledge from the experts who create applications that help you create passionate superfans. This is the Business Superfans Podcast. With your host, Freddie D. Freddie! Have you encountered language barriers with non English speaking clients? Are language communication challenges hindering your business opportunities? For top notch language services, choose A Foreign Language Service. They facilitate communications in over 400 languages, enhancing your offerings and driving success. As Arizona's premier language provider for over 30 years, they offer elite interpreting and translation services, including American Sign Language, nationwide. With a focus on excellence, they provide 24-7 telephonic and video interpreting with a live interpreter in under 60 seconds. Request telephonic, video, or in-person interpreting. They also offer translation for documents, courseware, software, and websites, as well as audio transcription and voiceovers. Trust in their expertise for effective language communication solutions for your business needs. Get in touch today at 844-813-4242 or explore their services at 400-400-languages.com. Megan is a founder and managing attorney at Your Contract Shop. Her passion is helping businesses grow, inspired her to go to law school, where she graduated with honors. Additionally, she interned with the Veterans Court at the Maricopa County Superior Court in Phoenix and the Institute for Justice in Tempe. Prior to law school, Megan worked as the business manager for a software development company, the deputy director for the statewide initiative, and lobbyist at the Arizona Department of Veterans service. After law school, Megan worked for a few small boutique firms in Phoenix that focus on business law, including entity formation, medical marijuana, mediation, litigation, licensing, and securities. During her time with these firms, she successfully drafted motions that secured unprecedented and celebrated victories for her clients in the medical marijuana industry. Hello, Megan. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me today. So how'd you, what made you become a lawyer? Yeah, my family asked me this question almost on a daily basis. Why are we here? And it is interesting because I come from a family of entrepreneurs, actually. The first person in my family to go to college, I'm the only person to get their graduate degree. Because what we do in our family is we start businesses. That's what we do. So when I decided to go to law school, my family kept going, why? What are you doing this for? And it really was inspired during my work as a lobbyist with the Arizona Department of Veteran Services. So I was a legislative liaison. I was hired on very early in my career. I was in my early 20s. I had no idea how that job even, I got that job that young. And what I was doing is I was dealing with the legislature quite often. In that particular capacity, I was working as a lobbyist on behalf of Arizona veterans. 
And I just got so frustrated with their lack of movement and the double speak and telling me something was going to happen and then it never did and gaslighting and all the things that happened. And I finally said, you know what? That's okay. I'm just going to go to law school so I can sue you all and we can protect these veterans the way that we we're supposed to. And what was funny is although my advocacy on behalf of veterans in the state is what got me to law school, what kind of pushed me towards back to my roots, really, was essentially the, the work that I was able to do while I was in law school. I took a contracts class and I loved it. I thought it was so cool. It was like a big old puzzle to solve. And I really also got to see, because of my history growing up with entrepreneurship, I got to see, oh, okay, this is what it looks like on the other side when you're drafting the contracts and to see how impactful and how important they could possibly be. Although, sure. uh, Yeah. So although I started with a, a bent towards advocacy, I found that where I really wanted to spend my days, what, the, what I had the most fun doing was helping small to medium-sized businesses realize their dreams. That was really what I wanted to do. Yeah. My friend from second grade, he went to George Washington Law School and he ended up being a contracts guy. Exactly. And he loves the contracts. He worked for years in Minnesota at Wells Fargo in the contracts department with big business acquisitions and investments and all that kind of stuff. And that's just, he just loves all that paperwork and all the <laughs> structuring of things. He's a master writer still today. When he posts his stuff on Facebook, his writing is just impeccable. I just don't, he's got a gift for that stuff. Yeah. Contracts can be fun. Obviously it takes a certain personality type, I guess. Maybe not. I, I, the contracts attorneys that I need, they're, we're all different. But it, I think the reason why I love it so much is because it's, uh, it, it does more than just, in fact, actually, ironically, your contracts will be used 99% of the time. They will be used outside of a court of law. So what was really fun about it is that you got to develop boundaries, which I think helps create brand loyalty and customer loyalty, by the way, because you're managing those expectations. But it also shows you a level of professionalism. And, and it's a puzzle. That's why we like it. They're puzzles. That's all they are. We got to figure them out. Sure. Yeah. And I have a, I always say that contracts, nobody cares about the contract. They sign it. A lot of people don't read it. Yep. They just sign it and it's good. And if business is well, nobody cares about the contract. You yep. know? And then the left-hand turn comes in, a speed bump happens, something goes an issue. And everybody grabs the paperwork and, okay, what's going on here? And that's the importance of, this is where I think the value of having a good contracts attorney becomes imperative because that's when the difference is the verbiage in a contract, how it's positioned, how it's worded can make a difference. And a lot of cases, that's where a super fan of the business that has a contract done by a good contract lawyer they're, they become a super fan of that lawyer because it saves them a lot of potential headaches and heartaches and financial stuff and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of the work that I do when I'm drafting an agreement is talking to the clients. And maybe this is where I'm lucky in that I'm a second career attorney because I was in sales. I was a lobbyist. It, pretty much every job I've ever had has been some form of persuasive communication. And one of the things that I, I, I am able to illuminate to my clients is that these contracts are actually, they, you shouldn't sign them and put them away. 
They're there to govern our relationship and they're there to manage the expectations. So you are right because there's so much mis- there's so many misunderstandings around contract law and the terms. And there is language that is extremely intimidating. There's not a, a layman on the planet who is running around talking about indemnification provisions in casual conversation. It's just it doesn't happen. So because of that, I think a lot of times people will sign the contract and put it away. But the truth is that contract is just a, another form of communication, another way to manage your client's expectations. And when your client's expectations are managed, this is what I learned in sales, they are happier and ironically less litigious. So the Absolutely same correct. Yeah. So the same concepts that apply to managing your sales staff can actually apply to risk mitigation too, taking good care of your customers, managing their expectations, putting everything in writing, ensuring that they understand what you are or are not doing for them. And then making sure that there is that they understand the terms, in particular, the payment and delivery of whatever services or products you're going to give them. All of that creates happy clients. Every and happy time. clients become business super fans. Exactly. They'll go out and promote and say this yes. company not only delivered, says or does what they say they're going to do and deliver what they say they're going to deliver. They do it timely, they do it efficiently. And, you know, that, that is huge for a business to, because a lot of times things fall apart because businesses don't deliver what they said they're going to deliver. And there's a huge disconnect as far as contract law. And there can be a disconnect between the individual who's doing the sales and the person who is actually implementing the service or the product. That's another thing that I, so by rule, in case you're wondering what a rule for contract law is to under promise in your contracts and then over deliver your services. And what that does psychologically for the end user, for your client, is it allows them to not only understand and budget for what you're going to be providing. Because a lot of times what happens is we will say something, let's say I'm building a website. I may say, I'm going to build you a full website, but I'm taking for granted that you don't know what that actually entails, right? Maybe you don't know that I'm not going to host the website for you. The end user may say, oh, this is a great deal. This is only $5,000. I'm going to go ahead and hire them. And they don't have enough money for the hosting. They didn't build that into their budget. So by, by allowing, it allows them to build that into their budget to really understand what they're going to need to do on their end. But also at the same time, if you bonus them anything, then you look like a great guy. And this is what I usually talk to my clients about. They say, oh, and well, we may do this. We may do that. Any of the mays, leave them out of the contract. Absolutely. Leave them out of the sales pitch and surprise your client with this great bonus. Because what will happen is whatever is listed in the contract, I want you to know, just like you said, once those things go sideways or at any point if they have a question, whatever is in the contract, in their mind, they've paid for it. So oh, absolutely. absolutely. So there's, there's no extras. Right. And you make a great point about doing, tossing that stuff. In my book, Creating Business Superfans, one of my chapters is the unexpected extra. And that's the, really the importance is that's how you start creating superfans is here's the expectation and here's the contractual expectation. And oh, by the way, in an unexpected way, here's, I'm going to give you this and here's what this is. I'm going to toss this in. So stick it to the website. We're going to get you listed into the different local directories, and we're going to include that as part of the package, no extra fee. 
because we think it's going to help grow your business and our job is to grow your business, that customer is going to go, wow, these guys are great. And it's, and by the way, they're not obligated. It's not in the paperwork here. So this is really an unexpected extra, which is like what you mentioned. And that's a simple way to create a super fan from going above and beyond what the contractual agreement says. No, that's a, that's exactly the whole point. And I love that you talk about that, that you call it the unexpected extra. Yep. And it, that I've always, that's exactly what it is. I'm bonusing this to you. I don't have to do it, but I'm a real good guy. And I think that that simple practice of not putting every single thing that you are going to do, what you have to do needs to be in the contract, but right. what you could possibly do should not, because for one, you may not have the capacity. We can't predict the future. But right. also, like you said, you create super fans when you say, listen, I know it's not in the contract, but we really feel that this would be helpful. And for no extra fee, we're going to do this extra thing. Oh, man, do people love you for that kind of stuff. Oh, it's huge. They love they're it. They're, and they're, now you just create a super fan. It's going to tell all their business owners. Yes. That th this company did this and did that extra and all that stuff. And it it's huge. Yes, absolutely. Va the value added is, it, like I said, not only does it create a business super fan, it actually can help you in reducing your liability. A happy client is willing to work with you, work through an unexpected or even unexpected and negligent outcome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Because they're going to be more, you have a super fan or, or may not yet be a super fan, but the, you have an issue that comes up and, and it's a contractual issue and you're having a time, an issue delivering it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Life happens. Yep. But you, you keep that customer informed and engaged. And that's what a lot of people do is they say, you know what? I didn't hear nothing. I'm not going to call them. I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. I'm just going to hope that they won't notice. And, and said the opposite way, I think is call them up and Hey, look, we got this. Megan, we got this particular issue. I know we're obligated to provide it. Here's what's happening. Let me know. We're working on it and all that stuff. You're going to go, okay, I understand that. I appreciate the phone call. And let me know what I can do to help to get this thing log jam worked out, worked through. And once you, you get through it, you'll most likely convert them into a super fan because of the fact that not only were you transparent about the problem, you resolved it. And now they're going to go, man, this guy, this company's got integrity. They're good people. We like these people. And just like you said, it changes the dynamics. Yeah. And ironically, sometimes those points of conflict are those opportunities to take a client who's just a basic client and turn them into a super fan. Absolutely. The way not. that you handle that situation, if you handle it well and you take good care of them, they will stick with you for life. And that's where I think you're right. And we all fall into this. I fall into this where it's, oh gosh, I just don't want to face this situation. I don't want to really address it. I'm embarrassed. We live in a culture where producing, we are high producers, right? And so mistakes aren't really, or, or not producing at the level that you think you should is really difficult on us. But you're right. Ironically, by being able to address it and address it in a way that is very client conscious, Right. We'll take that normal average everyday client who's like, yeah, they're okay, they're great, or they're okay, they're doing the job, to they are great, I love them, we had an issue, and the way that they resolved it was beautifully done. So it's weird the way that business works that way. Sometimes those conflicts actually give birth to these wonderful career-long relationships. 
Right. Where if you had a horrible relationship with that customer, it could go now though, all of a sudden the knives come out, the lawyers get involved and it's a mess. And at the end of the day, really nobody wins. No one ever wins when there's a messy contract. And that's what I try to tell everyone. No one really ever wins in a lawsuit either. Because even when you do win you, you and you get all of your attorney's fees back, you don't get those years and that stress of your life back. So it really does help to have, to create that loyalty within your client base by treating them really well. And honestly, the contract is the first step. Maybe your proposal is your first step. But in right. actually having your engaged customer and someone who is working for you, that contract creates a super fan in that it manages their expectations. It also allows you to bonus them any of your extras. It allows you for a dispute resolution process. But here's the other thing I tell everyone. Boundaries within a relationship, no matter what it, what relationship it is, makes the other party feel safe. And sure. that's the other aspect of contract law that I really love. When I get a contract and I know exactly what this vendor is doing for me, and I know exactly how much I'm paying, and even for anyone, they say to me, oh, I'm not doing this, a long list. We're not doing all of these things, right? I chuckle at it, but I also feel very safe. I know what I'm getting into. I know that this person isn't going to come out with some random charge, either from them or a third party that I wasn't anticipating because I don't know their business. I have no idea how to do what they're doing. Yep. No, absolutely correct. So how can lawyers in general build super fans their, of their existing clients and get out of the transactional mindset and mm -hmm. more into the relationship mindset. Yeah, this is a really hard one. I practice a little differently. I offer flat rate billing and limited scope representation. You'll hire me to review or draft or negotiate a contract or to form your LLC, but I'm not on retainer like, like other attorneys are. So because of that fact, I think my mindset even, the mental paradigm has shifted a little bit. So for for me, it's I because I'm not billing by the tenths of an hour like a normal attorney does, one of the things that I'm able to do is to actually take calls from clients and not charge them for little questions that they're asking me. Hey, Megan, I know you drafted this contract, but somebody wants to change the indemnification provision and take this out. Is that okay? And I'll write them back and I'll say something like, yeah, it's okay, or no, push back on this one for these reasons. So traditionally, if I were billing by the hour, I would send them an invoice for my six to 15 minute call. And, and, and you feel that every time. I don't do those types of things so that the client feels comfortable calling me because what ends up happening, and this was a little experiment when I first started practicing law to see if maybe if there would be such a deficit by doing this, right? Offering, just taking calls, offering free consultations and things like that. But what ends up happening is they always come back and they well, that's, always that's, send their friends. You've created a super, because you bring up a sore spot for me a, a long time ago is about 20 years ago, I was involved in a legal matter, a divorce, and the lawyer was charging me 15 minutes per phone call. And whether uh, you no were on for 15 minutes or not. Exactly. And that was the part that really became annoying yes. because it'd be like a two minute phone call and I'd and it'd be like, okay. And it, it says, all right, we're all done here. And I, wait a minute. I got more questions. I'm looking at my clock on, yeah. wait a minute, you're just making four, 13 minutes of free money. And yeah. I got more questions and it was like, and it just felt weird. And I was unappreciative of that because now I felt like I was not being treated properly. 
and it was I was felt rushed and yeah um, and taken advantage of and that you didn't get the money because this is what I have found and this is again goes back to my sales background if people feel like they are not getting their money's worth they will not continue coming back to you and they will not give you leeway if you don't produce so again you have the loyalty and the litigation or the liability side of it. Neither one of those are satisfied when people feel like they did not get what they paid for. So the practice of law, the way that we, and I understand, for instance, for litigators, it's really almost impossible to do flat rate billing, right? You, sure. you I mean, don't know how that's... But don't, but don't do this 15-minute phone call. Yes. I have no problem yes. if, okay, you're at the courthouse or you're preparing the paperwork and all that stuff. That's fine, but don't nickel me and dime me on a phone call. Cut it down to two and a half minutes and bill me for 15. Absolutely. That's where I go, okay, time out. That, that, that's not right. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It feels very unfair and exploitative. So I think that would be obviously anywhere that you can provide value added to your mm-hmm. clients where you're not, where you're looking at it more in a client-driven way. And like I said, this is a balance. It's an art. It's not, there's, sure. there's no hard, fast rules. So you want to make sure, of course, that you're not giving all of your time away because that's all you have to sell as a lawyer, but also that you're being cognizant of, hey, they asked me a, a couple of questions. It took me two minutes. I'm not going to necessarily charge them for that unless, of course, they continue calling me and they're all two-minute calls and I have an hour and a half of two-minute calls. The other thing that I think lawyers could benefit from greatly in managing a client's expectation. And I know that this sounds weird, but I think that they should bill their clients more often. So the traditional model is you give an attorney a retention. Let's say it's $5,000. And then for all the work that's done, that attorney charges against that. And then they send you an invoice. They say, okay, last month, I spent $1,500 of your $5,000 retainer. I... What I have heard from most of my clients who are dissatisfied is that especially the first month that they retain the lawyer, they didn't get the bill until 30 days after all the work was done. They didn't, they weren't placing it. They don't, firstly, if you're involved in any form of litigation and you're dealing with a lawyer, let's be honest, you're, you have other things you're dealing with, right? So you're not thinking about how many times did I call my lawyer today? So I feel like if lawyers are billing or at least reconciling the account more often, let's say maximum 14 days, but ideally every week, sending out a notice, hey, this week you spent $1,000 of your retainer, just wanted to let you know. Then people can start to manage their questions. They can be thoughtful in the emails that they send you instead of just running through this $5,000, not really realizing that this money is being eaten up that quickly. Um, and that's great. That's really excellent advice because then it creates a win-win scenario because now the client realizes, like you just said, well, wait a minute, was that question really, is this question I'm about to send really relevant or is it just me just wanting to be heard? No, yeah. and it's not necessary right now and I can hold off and I can just be patient or, and say, oh, wait a minute, I need to reload. And I get a plan because we're gonna, it's going to cost me another five grand. Right. This is turning into a bigger thing And versus, oh, my God, it's five grand. Well, we can't do anything more until we get another five grand. And so it's a whole nother. Yeah. And then like, that way you can, because I think a lot of lawyers 
take for granted what giving an attorney a retainer fee looks like, whether it's $1,000, $5,000, $10,000. Most Americans, that's a lot of money just to have somebody call in, a, in an account and charge against. So I think that's one of the things that I think a lot of lawyers kind of misunderstand because we do handle a lot of money, especially litigators. It's a lot of money. And so I think that they take that for granted and don't recognize that this is a lot of money and it's it can make it, it puts people in a difficult position. And so by notifying them more frequently how they're spending their money, I think that they can be more cognizant, they can spend it more wisely. But it also on the back end, it helps the lawyer also to manage those clients. So a lot of our time is spent uh, they call us counselors of law for a reason. A lot of my time is spent listening to somebody just vent, right? So that's fine. But if I'm billing you by the hour and my rate is $350 to $450 an hour and your therapist rate is $125 an hour, you sure, you should know that. <laughs> so that if we're going to do an hour's length of counseling where you're just venting and we're not getting down to any of the legal matters, you should know you're paying me a premium to do that. So I just think it helps to manage the client as well as the attorney's time. Oh, absolutely. I think that makes that makes great sense because it's a win-win all the way around because the, it, that attorney that does that, uses that approach is going to create a super fan out of that customer because now they're going to be in the know and they're going to go, oh, wow, thank you for the heads up. Yes. I didn't realize I was burning through that cash so yes. fast, et cetera. Let me talk to, to my partner and tell them to quit making the phone calls and quit sending yes. the emails because yeah. it, it could be someone else that's part of the whole puzzle that they feel like they're not informed. So they're reaching out. And so now the attorney's got to deal with two, three people for the same thing. And everybody's got a different question. And the next thing you know, just like you said, poof, the money's gone. And had there been some heads up and say, hey, partner number two is driving me nuts here, is reaching out to all these micro little thingies that are really insignificant and it's burning through the cash. Want to give you a heads up. So that's exactly, that scenario happens so often. And especially if one of the partners is the money person and the other partner is maybe more of the implementation or idea person, and then the money person is going, wait a second, you're not the one who sent over the checks. You're not the one who's seeing this. And it allows, and like you said, I feel like our job as lawyers is to make the partnership less uh, contentious. And that's one of the ways that we can do it. That's one of the ways that we can help the cost conscious partner rail in or rein in, sorry, rein in the least cost conscious partner. I understand you really love talking to our lawyer. She's fun. Right. <laughs> but let me tell you how much it's costing us. So then that way you, you have that tangible and it's and you catch it early. So yep. like I said, that five thousand bucks is important to businesses. And if they don't know that they've already spent it in 30 days, I, that's what I hear mostly from people who deal with lawyers who bill by the hour is they just all of a sudden, 30 days later, I get this invoice. And not only did they spend up the five thousand dollars, now I need another thousand for what they did additionally. Megan, how can people get a hold of you? Absolutely. We are virtual and web-based. I'm located in Arizona, licensed in Arizona only. I can provide periodic help in other jurisdictions other than Hawaii and Texas, I believe. So people can reach me, but mostly Arizona is where I focus. You can reach me by going to www.yourcontractshop.com. 
That's my website. You can go ahead and get my email address off of there, which is megan at yourcontractshop.com or call my receptionist, which is usually the best bet to get on my calendar. I'm booking about two to three weeks out, sometimes a month out. So that's usually the best way to get a hold of me. And that phone number is 602-753-1264. But everything's on my website, including Frederick. And this is the one thing I could tell you too that creates massive super fans in my clients. I post my rates on my website. My clients love the transparency. They love it. I think that has created super fans before they've even called me before. That's impressive because we met through a local connection years ago and we've done numerous transactions together. Yes, Yes, Um, thank you. And you've been wonderful for my business. Oh, thanks. And other businesses. So I think it's if anybody does have contractual questions, wanting to set up themselves a business, get some guidance legally from a business perspective, Megan's your girl. Oh, so. thanks, Frederick. And just so that your listeners know, I do a free 30-minute consultation. So they can call that number, set up a client consultation on my calendar, and we can chat about your issues. Also on my website, I have a free guide on how to write and review contracts. So you can go on there and it just says, write a killer contract here and you can download the PDF. Great. All right, Megan, thank you very much for being on the Business Superfan Podcast show. And we will look forward to having you on the show again in the near future. And thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I look forward to it. All right, bye-bye. Bye. We hope you took away some useful knowledge from today's episode of the Business Superfans Podcast. The path to success relies on taking action. So go over to businesssuperfans.com and get your hands on the book if you haven't already. Join the Accelerator community and take that first step in generating a team of passionate supporters for your business. Join us on the next episode as we continue guiding you on your journey to achieve flourishing success in business.